Well, welcome to Veritas. Glad you guys are here tonight. Uh, if you don't know, yes, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Kyle Richter. I'm one of the directors of Veritas. I've been on staff uh, for almost eight years now. Uh, graduated from Mizzou in 2007. Came on staff with Veritas and the Crossing right after that. Um, you might not believe me, but I am old enough to be married and have kids. Uh, this is my wife and our two daughters, Lily and Lucy, that's in Japan uh, this past summer with our Veritas team that went over for the summer. I love what I do, and so it's a genuine privilege uh, to be speaking to you guys tonight. But enough about me. For over 2,000 years, Christianity has made the claim that a man named Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that on the third day he was raised from the dead. That's probably not new news to you. But let me ask you a question. Does it really matter if Jesus physically rose from the dead or not? Well, think about that for a second. Does it really change anything if Jesus actually walked out of that tomb? Well, a couple of years ago, we asked some students on campus and downtown that same question. Let's take a look to see what they had to say. That's a really good question. That is a good question. If he actually rose from Well, the like, dead. if we were a witness to it, or if we, like, had proof, or, like, if what is the... If we knew for a fact that he rose sure from the dead. knew that Christ rose from the dead. Absolutely. Would that change how you live your life today? No. Not really. No. no. Probably not. I don't know. I don't even know how to start it. <laughs> you should ask this guy about that stuff, actually. Uh-oh. Probably not. I do believe in God, and I'm actually a reverend, just not a practicing one. Uh, personally, I live my life just normally. I don't think about religion or di- having religion dictate my life. Believing in Jesus and believing that he rose from the dead really shapes who I am and the decisions I make because I consider myself a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Like He died for our salvation. He rose and that's what Easter's all about. It definitely has an impact. Well, actually, no. I disagree with that because I try to be the best person I can be every day. I think it doesn't really matter to me. You know, you get the message from it, whether it actually, you know, physically happened in history or not, um, and people will choose to believe it, whether, you know, whether or not it actually happened. So, for me, it doesn't change anything. It kind of has changed how I live my life. Um, it gives more purpose and more direction to how I sort of decide to go about my business. It would probably cement my beliefs. I'm mostly belief in, in things that are greater than me, but I'm not too sure. So I'll let the rest of my life figure that out. So if he rose, it would just cement the thing. I would, I would hope that it affects the way I live my life every single day. I've studied a lot about it, actually. And uh, I believe I'm doing a pretty good job. I mean, I can be a good person on my own, so really wouldn't. But some people need that, which I understand, but personally... So, you know, like the people in this video that we just saw, in a a room this size with this many people, I imagine if I were to pull the crowd that I would get a lot of varied responses, you know, just like that. You know, some of you undoubtedly believe that Jesus actually walked out of that tomb. You know, others of you 
probably aren't so convinced. Maybe you actually don't think that Jesus did that. You know, others of you in here, my guess, are still unsure. You know, maybe that's exactly why you come to something like Veritas to begin with. You're still checking things out. You're still trying to figure out what really happened. You see, wherever you're at, I speak for all of our staff when I say that we're glad you're here. But I want to say up front, I want to say from the beginning that my priority tonight is not to prove the resurrection of Jesus. No, everything that I say actually starts with that presupposition and belief. I believe that Jesus actually physically rose from the grave. It was a real event in history. And so everything I say starts from that belief that it really happened in history. You see, over the years, we've done several talks about the validity of the Bible, the historicity of the Bible. You know, that the events in the Bible are both true as God's word and they're historical. That is, they actually happened. But if that's of interest to you and you want to talk more about that, uh, please find one of our staff tonight because we would love to talk more. Let me also plug a quick book uh, written by a Mizzou journalism grad, Lee Strobel, uh, called The Case for Easter. Uh, It's a great little book on the validity of the resurrection. I'm not going to spend time talking about that tonight. No, tonight I want to talk about the question that I asked earlier. Does it change anything if Jesus physically rose from the dead? You see, I actually resonate with a lot of the responses that, that we saw in that video because I too have had to wrestle with these same issues. I too have had to wrestle with these same questions. You know, maybe for you, you're a Christian and you know that you're supposed to believe in the resurrection. You grew up being taught it and so maybe you know that, well, I'm supposed to tell people that Jesus rose from the dead and that's what Easter's about and so we're supposed to celebrate it on Easter Sunday. You know, but maybe you struggle to really understand why or really believe that it makes any difference, that it really changes anything. Or maybe you've actually never taken the time to think about it. Does it really matter? Does it really make a difference? And put differently, how does Jesus walking out of a tomb change our story? See, Jesus, Patrick said last week, Jesus' story profoundly changes our own story if we let it. And the resurrection, if it really happened and it did, then it changes everything about us. See, I know this, is, this has certainly been true in my own life because Jesus walking out of a tomb is the very thing that profoundly changed my life, my story. And so as I've been reflecting on this, as I've been thinking about this, I came up with, with four ways that Jesus' resurrection has changed my life. And so for the rest of the time tonight, I want to share those with you. The first is that the resurrection meant that Jesus is God and Christianity is true. See, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I really, really don't like what the Bible has to say to me. You know, that's because there are a lot of times the Bible is at odds with what I want, with what I think that I want, with how I want to live my life. You know, sometimes the Bible is so shockingly honest, and sometimes that honesty is really offensive to me. Maybe you've had the same experience. So we don't like that. And so we come up with a list of reasons why it can't be true to us in 2015. And so we get rid of it. We throw it out. It has no relevance to us. Or maybe we keep and cherry pick the good things, but the rest we just throw out. 
It doesn't really matter. We pretend like it's not a big deal. And that's exactly how I lived the majority of my life before I came to college. You know, I knew about Jesus. I grew up in a family that went to church um, occasionally. I did the Sunday school thing. Uh, I didn't really care about God, though. See, you know, I cared about partying. I cared about sports. I wanted to have fun. I wanted girls. I wanted success. I wanted friends. Not Jesus. And so anytime Jesus got in the way of the things that I thought that I wanted, I pushed him to the side. I acted like he didn't exist. You see, I called myself a Christian, but I was far from a Christian. I went to church on the weekends. I went to Young Life, a ministry some of you know about during the week. I'm sure I had a Bible collecting dust in a closet or a drawer somewhere. But the only real relevance that Jesus had for my life is that every once in a while he would give me something that I asked for. And then every once in a while I would think to myself, maybe I should say thank you. But I wasn't really thanking Jesus. I was kind of just saying it because that's kind of what you're supposed to do. I'll never forget the first time that somebody shared 1 Corinthians 15 with me. And that's because it's probably one of the most shockingly honest sections in all of Scripture. For whatever reason that day, that that particular time, its honesty didn't offend me. It actually is what started to change my life. You see, in 1 Corinthians 15, a group of people are asking a guy named Paul. He was an apostle, a messenger. He was a, a pastor and a missionary and a writer. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. They were asking him a version of the same question that I'm asking you guys. They're saying, Paul, does the resurrection of Jesus really change anything? You see, I'd, at that point in my life, I'd honestly never really thought about the question. And to be completely frank, I didn't really care. But something about Paul's response hit me. It struck me in a new way, and it's stuck with me ever since. Listen to how he answers. This is what he says. Paul, keep this in mind. Paul, does the resurrection of Jesus change anything? This is what he says. He says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep, meaning they've died in Christ, are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul, does it, does it change anything if Jesus really walked out of that tomb? Well, Paul says, look, if Jesus is dead somewhere, if his bones, if we can find his bones somewhere right now rotting in a tomb, well, then he's a lunatic. Jesus is a liar. And further, he's willing to say, look, if the resurrection never happened, why are we here? Go home. Go home. Jesus didn't walk out of a tomb, but we believe that he did. Well, pity us, mock us, laugh at us. Because we deserve it, because we're foolish Christians for believing a lie. You see, here's the deal. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, if somebody finds Jesus' bones someday, then Christianity isn't true. Everything that the Bible says about God and about God's story and about the world is completely, utterly 
wrong. It's a lie. But thank God that that's not the case. Because in the very next verse, Paul says this. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. You see, Paul can say that because Jesus appeared to him after he rose. And so Paul knows that everything about Christianity hangs on whether or not Jesus walked out of that tomb. Because he either did or he didn't. It's all or nothing. You know, Paul tells us to go home if it didn't happen because he knows it did. And so as I'm learning this, I'm asking myself, Kyle, how can this not matter? How does this not change your life? I mean, think about this for me, with me for a second. Jesus, he's dead. He's put in a tomb, right? Heart no longer beating. Blood no longer flowing. Can't see out of his eyes. They're lifeless. No more neurons firing in his brain. His muscles have started to atrophy. And he gets up a few days later and he walks out of a tomb. Probably pushes a stone to the side. Walks out of a tomb. And don't forget, he told everybody that that was going to happen. Matthew 6, 16, 21. From that time, Jesus... So this is before Jesus' crucifixion. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. You see, the resurrection means that Jesus really is God. And because Jesus is God, what it meant for me is that I needed to follow his teachings. Not just the ones I liked, not just the ones I wanted, not just the things that made my life easy or convenient, not just the things that didn't offend me. No, Jesus wants all of it. Because Jesus rose from the dead, it means that I had to deal with all of the Bible's teachings. Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York. He's written a lot of books. One of his great books, Reason for God, about these ideas. He says this. Oh, dear. He says this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything he said? You see, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching. That's a hard thing for us. That's not the issue. The issue is whether or not he rose from the dead. See, the Bible doesn't give us an option to say that Jesus walking out of that tomb doesn't matter. It doesn't allow us to say that it doesn't change anything. Either he did or he didn't. Jesus isn't a liar. Jesus isn't a lunatic. Jesus is Lord. The second way the resurrection changed my life is that it meant that my relationships had a significance, an eternal significance, a lasting significance. I'll admit, before I became a Christian, uh, I cared a lot about myself. Um, By no means have I completely overcome that. Um, But before Jesus changed my own story, most of the time I was concerned with myself, what I wanted, what I liked, You know, even as I thought about my friendships and my relationships, you know, my friend group, it it gave me an identity. You know, I picked and choose who I was hanging out with because it gave me something. It gave me respect. It gave me approval. It gave me status. 
It gave me popularity. It got me attention. You know, I was living for all of those things, but man, it was shallow. You see, nobody really knew me. I wanted to be known, but nobody really knew me. And to be honest, I didn't really care to know anybody else. But Jesus changes our relationships. Paul, continuing in that passage I was reading earlier, verse 22, verse 20, he says this. He says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. You see, Jesus changes our relationships because his, his resurrection puts an eternal significance on our existence. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul is saying in this verse, these verses, that Jesus walking out of a tomb is really just a foreshadowing of what all of humanity can expect one day. A physical, bodily resurrection. You know, I said earlier that sometimes the Bible teaches really hard things. It's really honest. And sometimes that's offensive. One of the really hard things that the Bible teaches us is that we're all going to die. And that because of sin and human rebellion, we're all headed for eternal judgment. We're all headed for hell. Now, I get it. That's hard. We don't like that. But we have to wrestle with it. See, but here's the deal. Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead to change that story. To change our story. See, if Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead, then that means we have every reason to trust him about our own resurrection. C.S. Lewis, he's an author, Christian, has written a lot of things, Mere Christianity, Chronicles of Narnia, some of, some of those you might have read about these kinds of things. He says this. This is a little wordy. Stick with me. He says, it's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. He's talking about people because of this eternal significance. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. If we could really see what it would be like someday in future glory, we would be tempted to worship each other right now. Or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. There's that other place. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or another of these destinations. It is in light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all of our friendships, all of our loves, all of our politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. See, if Jesus walked out of that tomb that day, then doesn't it change how we treat each other? Doesn't it change how we treat people? Doesn't it give us the best grounds, the best basis for loving each other well? For me, knowing all of a sudden that I was rubbing shoulders with people that I might be spending eternity in heaven with someday began slowly over time to change how I interacted with them. 
Albeit imperfectly, over time, I started to appreciate the differences in people. I started to genuinely care for them. I started to see past some of the differences, some of my preferences, and I wanted to actually get to know them and not just use them for what I could get. What about for you? Who are the people in your life, Lewis calls them dull and uninteresting? We all have those people. And what about the socially marginalized? The socially awkward? What about people struggling with mental health issues or physical disabilities and limitations? How do we, how do we treat them? You see, I'll be honest, my knee-jerk reaction all too often is to look the other way and run. To pull my phone out and act like I've got something else to do put my headphones in and just keep walking. You see, but Jesus' resurrection taught and it's still teaching me exactly what Lewis is bringing out. I have to force myself to remember that there are no mere mortals. See, Jesus walking out of that tomb, it gives eternal significance to our relationships which should motivate us to treat people well. Third, the resurrection taught me where to go with my doubts. See, whether you believe in Jesus or not, we all struggle with some form of doubt, right? You know, is Jesus really who he says he is? Can I really trust the Bible? Did all this stuff really happen? Historical, are you sure? Well, why would God let bad things happen to good people? In a public university setting, I know you guys face all kinds of challenges and oppositions to Jesus. Right? You have classmates that, that challenge your beliefs. You have professors that, that challenge you sometimes publicly in front of your classmates. You have books you're assigned to read that openly challenge the claims of Christianity. You live around people that mock you for your beliefs. You know, I get it. All of these things give us ample reason to doubt. It's hard. You know, I, I'm not immune to doubt myself. Some of you know this, um, but for the last week, a little over a week, my wife and I have been um, in a hospital, in the hospital here in town. Uh, I said, actually, I didn't say this. We've got a son on the way uh, in the fall, uh, minor detail, uh, but we've been in the hospital. <laughs> Sorry, son. <laughs> we've been in the hospital. Uh, Noelle's had some complications with her pregnancy. Uh, we got some bad news when we were in Japan this summer, and that stuck with us. And when we got back, some things happened. And we had to go uh, kind of in a crazy rush to the hospital last Sunday. And I can tell you, sitting in a hospital room, listening to doctors tell you that they're not sure what's going to happen to your son who isn't born yet is really hard. Really hard. And you're trying to make sense of it, but in all honesty, there are several moments of, of quiet where I'm asking, God, what are you doing? God, are, are you in control of this? God, where, where are you? I'm not immune to doubt at all. I think sometimes we're tempted to think that, that doubting is bad. That we need to be embarrassed by that. That we need to hide that. But I think in those moments that it's important to remember that even Jesus' closest disciples, his closest friends, had doubts about him. 
Look with me at, at a story of a guy named Thomas in John 21. It says this, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came to them. So Jesus has appeared to the rest of the disciples. So the other disciples told Thomas, Look, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails... And place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side. I will never believe. Now keep in mind, this is a guy who has been walking with Jesus for several years at this point. He has seen Jesus do miraculous things. He has heard Jesus' teachings. He knew that Jesus predicted his own resurrection. And yet in this moment, Thomas is doubting that Jesus was really God. In this moment, he was doubting that Jesus had really done what he said he was going to do and walking out of that grave. The problem isn't that we have doubts. The problem is what we do with doubts when we have them. My almost three-year-old daughter, Lily, uh, is terrified of bugs, right? It doesn't matter what kind of bug. It could be a spider with hair and fangs, or it could be a little ant. Uh, she sees them and she runs and she screams and she yells for mommy because she likes her mom more than her dad. And I was thinking about this because it's funny, but I realized that sometimes I do the exact same things with my doubts about God. I run from them. I hide from them. Maybe you do the same. Or maybe your doubts just overwhelm you so much that You don't know what else to do other than to give in to them. They're just so consuming that they must be true, so we give in to them. But I think we can learn something from Thomas. Look at the rest of the story. Eight days later, Jesus, and eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him and he says, my Lord and my God. See, some of you have serious doubts about Jesus. And I want to say that it's not wrong to have doubt. You aren't weird. You don't have to run. You don't have to hide. You don't have to be embarrassed. Because every one of us in this room, I don't care who you are, we're all in process. We're all trying to figure this thing out. And that's okay because Jesus doesn't condemn us for our doubts. Jesus doesn't tell us to run from our doubts. He says, bring them to him. Now, that doesn't mean that we have all the answers figured out. That doesn't mean that we have all the pieces to the puzzle. But Jesus walking out of the tomb that day tells us that instead of running from our doubts or being overwhelmed by them, we can bring them to Jesus. And when we do, in his timing, he will make himself known to us in a way that makes us respond exactly like Thomas. My God, my Lord. See, Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. Fourth, the resurrection gave me a lasting hope. Everyone in here has hopes and dreams, 
right? Hope is why you guys came to college. You want to meet people, and you want to get a job, and you want to make money, and you want to travel, and you want the American dream, and this is how we get there. You know, hope is why you date. Hope is why you have boyfriends and girlfriends, because someday you want to get married. Hope is why we choose our fraternity or our sorority or the people that we're living with, because we want people to experience this college life with. Hope is why we wear makeup, why we exercise, because we want to be noticed, because when we feel, when we're noticed, it feels really good. Hope is why we want to get involved on campus, because it makes us look a certain way, because it's how I get to the next thing. Hope is why we're willing to try new experiences. You see, but the problem with all these things, they're not inherently wrong, but the problem with these things is they don't last. They don't last. You see, that dream job sometimes disappoints. The money never seems to be enough. Our friends leave, our bodies break down, people stop noticing us, and they forget about us. And if Jesus is dead right now, then none of our hope really matters. Patrick said this last night, he says, look, our lives in this world are one big cosmic accident if Jesus didn't walk out of the tomb. You see, but the resurrection, Jesus actually walking out of that tomb changes the narrative. It changes the narrative. It doesn't just signify that that God has victory over sin and death. No, it also lets us know where the story is going. Because Jesus rose, we know how the story ends. All of human history is moving towards a point when Jesus will one day return and set everything wrong in the world right. Revelation 21, 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. You see, since Jesus walked out of that tomb, what would otherwise be meaningless is now full of purpose. Why? Because like I said, we know how the story ends. Complete, physical, earthly restoration of all that sin and rebellion has broken in the world that God created good. See, Jesus walking out of that tomb as the first fruits is just a preview of what is to come. That's a hope worth living for. I, I want to conclude, finish tonight, by telling you a quick story. Um, February 28, 1945, Japanese forces were overrun in World War II, and a Japanese soldier named Hiro Onada and three of his colleagues fled to the jungle to hide. The good news for Onada and his fellow soldiers is that they escaped harm's way. Right? They, they weren't killed. They, they made it to the jungle. They found a good hiding spot. 
Well, the bad news for Onada and his fellow soldiers is that they hid too well. What do I mean by that? Well, seven months later, the war ended with Onada and his fellow soldiers still in hiding. You see, they thought the war was still going on because they had dug in somewhere in the jungle and nobody knew about them. And so time goes on, this war is over, but time is passing. So much so that two of the guys eventually die from trying to survive in the jungle. A third finally gives up and he says, I'm out. I'm going to go back and surrender. But Onada says, no, I'm staying here. This war is going on. It's real. And so he stays in the jungle for 29 years. Hiro Onada went into hiding in 1945, and it wasn't until 1974 that someone persuaded him the war was over, that he could leave his post, that he could come home. You see, because he didn't know the war was over, Hiro Onada spent 29 years living out of the wrong story. But what about you? Are you living out of the wrong story? You see, we live in a culture that tells us if we believe that a guy named Jesus actually walked out of the tomb a few days later after being dead, that we're uneducated, that we're upside down, backwards, silly. You see, but the great irony is that Jesus tells us if we live in a world and pretend like he didn't come out of that grave, like it doesn't change anything, like it never happened and doesn't matter, Well, we're the ones living upside down. We're the ones living backwards, uneducated. You see, when we pretend that the resurrection doesn't matter, we've missed a story. We've lived out of a wrong story, just like Hiro Onada. So what story are you living in? You know, does Jesus walking out of that tomb change anything? Well, for me, it changed everything. It gives us a new narrative, a right narrative, a true narrative, one in which Jesus is Lord, one that tells us every human being will exist into eternity. The people you are sitting with right now will exist into eternity. And because of that, our relationships with each other matter. A story, a right narrative that tells us where we can take our doubts, that we don't have to hide from them. A story that gives us a hope that never fades. See, that's a story worth living for. Let's pray. Jesus, thank goodness you walked out of that tomb. Thank goodness that the good news is that, Jesus, you are God and that you rose from the dead. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to come to terms with that, that you would impress upon us the significance of your resurrection, that you would impress upon us the reality that it changes everything, that it matters. God, help us to see the story, the wrong stories that we live out of and tune our hearts, Lord, to you, to the right story, the true story. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.